Live from the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. Real. True. Stories. May the narrative be with you. Okay. Let's all open up our hearts and our minds. Because you're all here and I am here with you. And I accidentally found a place for each of us to begin. About five years ago, I moved to Anchorage, Alaska with my son. He's 35 years old. And we left one loose end down here, down in the lower 48. We left my son's big Kawasaki Sport motorcycle parked at my brother's house in his driveway. And so we moved up there. And for two years, my son didn't make a plan to come and get that motorcycle. And my brother never mentioned it because he's an angel. And the only time he mentioned it was to say that he knocked the leaves off of it today. And it... Hello? Okay. So, but I knew that it was there. And I had a vacation coming up. So this idea percolated up in my brain. I could fly down in a one-week vacation. I could fly down to Portland, get on Craigslist, find a vehicle, stuff that motorcycle into it, and go, go drive the Alaska Highway all the way back up to Anchorage and get back to work by the following Sunday. It's 2,500 miles from Seattle up. And the... Uh, this historic part of it, the actual Alaska Highway, starts in northeastern uh, British Columbia and goes on over to, to uh, Anchorage. Well, and people do it in three or four days, so it is possible. So, but I was so excited about it, and I knew that I, I knew that I can, I could do it, and I knew that I should do it, and I knew in my heart and my knower that I was going to do it. So I called my brother. And I told him about it, and I said, hey, you want to come? And he says, well, no, John. That just sounds like a bunch of driving. It sounds like one of your harebrained schemes. And I said, thank you so much, brother. You just named my adventure. And I hung up from him. And I called my friend. I have this young friend. He's a literary. We just talk about literary stuff and read books, share books back and forth. And I called him up because I needed his help loading that motorcycle. And I said, hey. And so I just told him what I was going to do. And he said, well, I'm going to throw my sleeping bag in with you. And I'm going to come along. And he said, and you and I are going to do that Jack Kerouac thing <laughs> where he took a loaf of bread and a pound of cheese and a pound of lunch meat, and he dealt it out into sandwiches and then stuck it back in the bag <laughs> and ate it on his travels. It feeds two guys for three days, trust me, I know. <laughs> for $12. And that was our food budget for this adventure. The booze budget was 40. It was closer to 40. That's a case of beer and a half gallon of whiskey. 
well, it's two guys, three days, come on. So, so I fly down to Portland, and I go to buy this vehicle, and, and I got to do it the next day. So I come in on a Friday, and I got to buy that vehicle on Saturday. So I, I call a bunch of vehicles, and I take my, I take my tape measure, and I measure to make sure that motorcycle fit in there. I don't know if it's going to be, but w what I ended up with is 900 bucks. And so it's not going to be a nice, shiny F-250 with a digital clock that works. <laughs> it's going to be a 1992 Ford Aerostar minivan <laughs> with a hole in the dash where a clock used to be. But the motorcycle fits. So, so we go and load that motorcycle and start driving north. Well, you get up into British Columbia, and you know that road starts in northeastern British Columbia. So the road goes north, and then it goes towards the east, and we got to go thousands of miles to the west. But here's the thing, people. Turns out you have to go to the east to get to the west because you're not even on the road yet. And so we drive up there and we go to this thrift store. And we're about a day and a half into this thing and driven hundreds of miles. And we go into this thrift store to buy a couple of camp chairs. And of course, we tell about our adventure to the friendly Canadian thrift store guy. And he follows us out of the place and he says, well, just go over to mile zero and hang a left and just drive and drive until something breaks. <laughs> he was laughing and I wasn't. I turned around and I said, well, where is this mile zero? I hadn't heard it called that yet. And he said, I said, where's this mile zero at? And he said, well, it's right there. And I looked and right at the end of the little street in the intersection, there's a little concrete block with a little spire on top with a little chain around it. And I looked, and you got to understand, I was, at, I was at the end. I was at the edge of myself. I was so far away from everything, and, I, and we were pretty broke. And I was just at that right open space in my life where, where I just, when I looked over there, just everything clicked in for me. I knew that I was going to do go drive that road, and I knew that I could, and I was pulled forward. So I went over and got on that uh, block, climbed through the chains and got up on that block and held on to that spire and looked up the road. And I looked, just little me, just little John Mink, standing there on that block of concrete, looking up that huge road in that huge land that I had never seen before. And I loved it. I just loved where I was. And I didn't want to, I just wanted, I, I could, knew I could trust the universe. And I knew that if that vehicle did not make it, somehow we would learn some lesson and there would be some way to continue. And so I was standing there looking up that road and I, I wanted to be, I wanted to have that exact same feeling for the rest of my life, just of trust in the universe. And knowing, just a knowledge that I was going to do the thing. So I turned to Tim, he was standing there, and I said, Hey, everything's changed. 
Everything has changed for me. What if you're 54 years old and you find out that you just weren't on the right road yet and you've never been to mile zero? So, and Tim was standing down there and he says, well, yeah, it's big. What if you're 29? And he felt the same thing. And so we had this van and we had all those thousands of miles. So we'd get in the van and start driving. And the van was, was bonking when it went over bumps. And it was, uh, it was hesitating when it goes up hills. And the, the rear end was whining constantly. But don't they all do that? <laughs> and so, so we drove all of that day, and we drove all the following day. But then the next night... We were in Whitehorse. We were past Whitehorse a couple hours, and I realized that now we were two-thirds of the way there, and the mechanical problems were not getting worse. They weren't getting better. <laughs> but the thing was, we're going to make it. And so I was excited, and I said, Tim, we gotta, we got to celebrate this, man. This thing's going to make it, and we're going to make it on time and on budget. we gotta, we got to camp early. we got to find a a meaningful place to camp, and we gotta, we got to celebrate this. And he's in for a party. And he, so, so we come over a rise in the road, and there's a big lake. It's called Lake Kluwani. And it just, the road goes around the south end of it, and it's a big blue glacier powder, glow in the dark, just glow in the afternoon sun. It's just glows. And... The road goes around the south end and then goes along it for tens of miles. And so we're looking for a place to camp, some meaningful place to have our little party. And there's a closed down resort right on the lake. And so we go over there and park and, and get our big boy bottle and our, and our bag of Sammies. <laughs> and we go, into the, um, we go into the cocktail lounge the doors are all just standing open for, for 10 years. I don't know how long it's been. And all the furniture's just kind of piled in the middle of the room. And, and we just set some chairs up by the window and, uh, and get a couple of glasses and kind of muck them out and then, and then rinse, them with our, rinse them out with our whiskey. And then we pour ourselves a couple of double talls. And we sit there and we toast we have that beautiful view of that lake and we toast each other and we toast that big road and we, we toast the crazy van. And then the next day we drive on into Anchorage and we got there in the afternoon, Saturday afternoon, so I made it back to work on Sunday morning. But, but I go and pop the, the rear hatch, pull into the driveway, pop the rear hatch and I'm holding it open it's not going to hold itself. <laughs> it's not one of those kind of vehicles. And my son comes out of the house, and he comes walking over there, and he just walks right on by me and climbs in there and wraps himself up in his motorcycle. And he's so happy, and he's so proud, and he's just beaming. And he's looking at me, and I'm... I'm just going on about the, the road and the accomplishment of that thing. And he says, Dad, 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 wait a second, wait. 
He said, you look exactly like you looked 20 years ago. And so, so here's the thing. I thought I was going to have that experience of finding a magical way forward when the van broke down and, and somehow accomplishing the thing. And I didn't get that part of the, of the trip. But what I did get is this. So let's all open up our, open our hearts and make a little space for this inside of ourselves. Because it turns out that you have to go to the east to get to the west. Because you're not on the road yet. And so, for each of us, a mile zero 